he's still got the same fucking name. <laughs> you changed his appearance, but not his name. Like, why does he need the same name? Hello, everybody, and welcome back to An Englishman and an Irishman Go to the Movies, the podcast that will tell you it's done, sit on it for 20 years, swearing blind we won't do a sequel. Yet here we are. I am one of your hosts, Sean Ferrick, and joining me, as always, is the co-host currently played by Ian Whittington until we have a fallout and will then be recast by Yahya Abdul-Mateen II. But in the meantime, Ian, how are you getting on? He will do a much better job than me in every way possible. He will do a much better job, yeah. He will absolutely Absolutely. destroy me. Yeah, I'm good. I overslept, so before before you (laughs) fuck me and make a joke out of it, I'm going to fuck myself. Yes, I overslept. I think this is the first time that I... I've ever shown up late from podcast. I have said nothing, and the saltiness coming out of Northampton at the moment is just hilarious. Hilarious, mm-hmm. I tell you. Yeah. So as as you grumble your way through your coffee, yes. um, how has your week been? Um, it's been good. I I would love to say I did something interesting, but I have not. How are you, Sean? Did you have a special day recently? And no, I'm not talking about your birthday. <laughs> no, because we all know that's in March. <laughs> exactly, yeah. March the 27th, to yeah. be exact. Just, yeah. just, when, yeah. just when the Oscars happen. Um, yeah. <laughs> what? A special day? Did you manage to have Christmas recently? I did! I had a second... Well, not a second. There were reasons that I couldn't have a proper Christmas with the Yes, with the everyone, family. it's probably what you're thinking. It absolutely but, is what you're thinking. Um, and I yeah. blame the Irish. And, uh, yeah, so we actually had to a To be nice, sure, to be sure. Oh, potatoes. Have this potato. It's laced with a virus, but you'll be fine, to be sure. Um, uh, <laughs> Payback for the famine, bitch. Yeah. Mm, um, and I had a nice Christmas with mum and dad. On, um, it was a Wednesday, I think. <laughs> we had just, like, Christmas. You can't have Christmas on a Wednesday, yeah. Ian. What are you doing? I, actually, I was looking through Twitter and somebody said, who has Sunday roast on a, on a Wednesday? And I was like, not only Sunday roast, I'm having Christmas Day. And screw you, Jesus doesn't care. Jesus will Christmas whenever he wants to Christmas. He didn't wait for the weekend. Um, so yeah, Christ it was Christ. great. And, and, and Twitter was quite happy with my Star Trek uniform, which always surprises me. It's like, it wasn't a particularly thirsty pick. Yeah. It was just but, Ian, I think probably most people listening to this right now have seen the sheer power of your <laughs> thirst picks. And, you know, it's the kind one. of like, huh, Ian said, I'm like, I think I'll post Lily Pitch here. Oh, and my follower count has gone up by a thousand. I forgot Ian was on Twitter. Oh, he's dressed up in Star Trek. He's back. Yeah, or... Lack of dress. But um, it was grand. Yes. It was great. How Good. was your week? Uh, well, mine actually was quite quieter. Uh, I am having Christmas. So as we record this, I will be having uh, Christmas in two days. Uh, oh, that's my great. sister's family, they're all, they're out of isolation now, which is fantastic. Nice. Everyone fine. Everyone, yep, all good. So uh, we're doing that in a couple of days. So I'm really looking forward to that. Nice. Um, probably should buy some presents. Ditto, 100%. I, I know mum and dad are listening to this. I will buy you presents. I love you so much. You will have very nice things soon, I promise. <sighs> Quick to the news! To the news! <laughs> news team! Assemble! So opening the news this week is the latest delay 
to Sony Pictures' Morbius film. So it was due to release on January 28th, and it's now been pushed back to April 1st, which is, in my opinion, so that they can say on April 1st, well, you didn't believe it was going to be out today, did you? (laughs) I mean, that's a great backup plan, isn't it, for all movie releases? Because you're just like, yeah, Yeah. we're kidding. It's such an easy one to swing. It is a bit. Swing, Spider-Man. Yeah. Oh, nicely yeah. done. Nice. Nicely done. You you have a theory. You have a theory as to why they've pushed it back. Um, yeah, I'm not going to claim credit for this theory, but at the same time, I'm not going to give credit for it because I don't know where it came from. But this, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to the internet, and I'm sure there's a few people that have thought of it. But I, it, there's a few people is, on the internet. Yeah, there's a few people out there. Um, there's a really cool theory that it's been pushed back so far to allow for reshoots to get Andrew Garfield Spider Man into the film somehow i love this idea so much reshoots are rarely rarely a good idea and they're sorry not that they're not a good idea but they're rarely perceived as a good idea and they Mm. they usually Mm. add a stink onto the film and if it ever turns out to be a bad film it's usually blamed on the reshoots even though hey you don't know what was going to be out there in the first place that could have been even worse um but if there's going to be reshoots this is a really fun reason to do it i i I agree and like there there's clues as to why that might not be just wishful thinking in the trailer uh toby Maguire's spider-man is on a poster yes yeah so i don't know like str- as we know stranger things have happened i don't know i think i would love to see it don't get me wrong mm-hmm. i'd love to see it but i do suspect that after so close after no way home mm-hmm. it's probably not going to happen but I would be delighted if it does, and I'll be a very happy little camper. Hundred percent. I would be. I'll be over the moon. I. I love Andrew Garfield as is common knowledge now. But yeah. my worry would be if it wasn't in the story to begin with, and the film is finished. How yes. shoehorned is that going to feel? Um, you're you're rewriting a a, a finished product. Like how unnatural is this? It's either going to be so small that it doesn't matter, or so big as to be disruptive. Well, well, that's sorry. I just want to. I have one example uh, in in just off the top of my head of a good time when it happens. So, uh, and I'm a bad Trekkie because I didn't know this for a long time. But in Star Trek Beyond, so the film had finished, the film had wrapped, and then about three months later, they wrote new scenes so that they could include uh, Sheree Agdashlu. I hope I pronounce that right. I apologise if I pronounce that badly now. Uh, who is obviously so well known for the Expanse at the moment, but she played Commodore Paris in Star Trek Beyond. All of that was filmed after production had wrapped. So, um, and it turns up on these like most obvious reshoots. I never noticed. So that's a good, so that that was a good example for me. I didn't realize that they were reshoots. So apparently some people on the internet, one or two people went, it's so obvious. I didn't think so. Because it's only the two of them. I mean, I don't see that as enough Um, of a justification, but it's only the two of them in the scene. It's just Paris and Kirk. Uh, okay. The most obvious one for me is Tig Notaru in um, Army of the Shit film. Even though that is an absolute waste of my life, I felt they did the best because we all knew going in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it is so obvious because it's it's like action, action, action. And you can quite clearly see a very, very quiet Tig just on her own in the chopper. Doing a great job of acting, but not really reacting to anybody near her, which is it's it's it was pretty obvious to me. But again, I think we knew that going in. I think yeah, I think you're so right. Um, I, <laughs> but you know what? You are right. But my God, Tignataro's appearance is the least it's, of the problems that that film the highlight has. Highlight of the film, which is <laughs> yeah. the best part of it. Oh my it's goodness! Great. 
Oh dear. Um, yeah. So I think yeah. Sorry, it's more likely that this is um, uh, a, a COVID thing because of internationally Omicron is a bigger deal than it is in America. Um, so the American audiences might be scratching their heads, but um, yes, Omicron is a thing and it's quite bad. Um, you're unlikely to get hospitalised, but it still sucks a lot. Um, so I can see why they're they're probably worrying about sales being reduced. Um, yeah, so the only other thing I can think it is, is, and you said this before we started recording, was that maybe it's to not cannibalise sales from No Way Home. Because it's obviously doing well when mm. the when the release date for Morbius was was decided. They didn't know how well it was how well No Way Home was gonna do. So maybe there's a little bit of let's let No Way Home have its run, um, so that people aren't tired and decide, nah, I don't need to see Morbius. Which I get. That's wise. I can understand that. Yeah, like this is franchise fatigue, you know. And mm-hmm. do you know what's actually? I mean, because although Morbius is very much a Sony property, it is of course under the Marvel banner. Yeah, it's kind of shocking that it's taken so long, and I won't say it hasn't happened, but it's taken so long for franchise fatigue to settle in on the Marvel universe. And has it? Um, I think there was a feeling after Endgame because there's that question of where do we go from here. Uh, now, No Way Home is incredible, don't get me yeah. wrong, and there's been some very good films. I really enjoyed Eternals, as we've talked about. I really enjoyed Shang-Chi, but mm. I don't have that excitement at the no. moment that I had, even coming up to say, well, the first Avengers film is maybe a bad barometer because that had never been done before. Yeah, correct. Not, not to that extent, anyway. No, 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 not at all. But that's for another podcast. <laughs> oh, yes, Our, yes, yeah. it is. <laughs> um, but... To my ecstatic, um, I got a New Year's present from Sean, and um, it's the return of the recommends. Woo! Cool, I recommend we get straight into the episode. Uh, no! No! What do you have to recommend for us this this week, and what have you been sitting on for the last like, six months? Oh my goodness, I have such a list. Um, So this is going to be a crap way to start, because it's such an old film, but it's Ip Man. Um, and for the longest time, I thought this was pronounced IP Man. <laughs> like, okay, so like, did I, yeah. Intellectual Property Man. And maybe it is, and maybe I'm completely wrong, but this is a... I've got to get this, the, the, I've got to get this description right. Um, it is a kung fu movie, and it is set in China from like 1930 to like 1950s ish, I believe. Um, but this has got Donnie um, Donnie Yen, who oh, yeah. is of Rogue One fame. I just want to make sure I pronounce his name correctly. Um, I am. Yes, do, yes, do check. But yes, I'm 90 percent sure that you did a great job. Um, yeah, so Donnie Yen, and he is a martial arts like master in this film, and. He um, stretching his acting skills. Then, sorry, he's a martial arts yeah. master in real life as well. <laughs> yes, sorry, he absolutely is. But he is like even more. Like he's playing the man that taught Bruce Lee. Like that's okay. That's how good this this guy is. Um, so yeah, based on a true story. Um, and <clears throat> the 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 idea is that he refuses to have a kung fu school of his own because he's like, nope, I'm a master, but I don't need to teach it. Um, until the Japanese invade during World War Two, and although they were invading before World War Two, but anyway, the Japanese come in and completely destroy his village and 
pull it to bits and he's kind of put on the run and they're under kind of semi-Japanese rule and then he has no choice but to train the entire village on how to do martial arts and stuff and it's so great it sounds really really cheesy but it's not like over the top like when the civilians to for want of a better word are doing their kung fu and stuff it's still really convincing because they're not very good so they still fumble a lot but it's just that they have some element of self-defense um and the stuff that he does the choreography the fighting is incredible it's so so good and it is brutal this is like tarantino level tarantino levels of blood and gore and um <clears throat> people just getting absolutely ruined and see the difference is like it's a really really heartfelt film like it's not your standard um like you killed my family member and i'm gonna come after you or about drug lords or anything this is about an entire country that is struggling and this is like a little village encapsulating all of that so it's not my name is inigo pontoya you killed my father prepare to die yeah exactly it's not that um so there's a little bit of my goodness this guy is super powered and he it kind of paints as he literally saved all of china with his kung fu wizardry um but it is brilliant it's so so good now there's five of these films all together right. i've been told that the first two are worth watching and then mike tyson turns up in one of them um in like the fourth one i think which is odd but the first two are really, really great. And Donnie Yen is fantastic. So if you like Kung Fu martial arts films, this is a high, high, high top tier recommend. It's got some funny moments. It's got some real emotional stuff that you believe in and some amazing um, uh, fighting choreography and um, yeah, general badassery in it. Okay. So yeah. High, high recommend if you like that sort All right, of thing. All right, okay. Uh, definitely, I would take a recommendation on that. Uh, I do have a recommend that's going to start with an anti-recommend, but very quickly go into a recommend. So this week, I finally got around to watching The Forever Purge. Now, I am a huge fan of the Purge <laughs> series. I am, I am, like, they know what they are. So up until Purge, so it goes The Purge, The Purge Anarchy, The Purge Election Year. Then it does a prequel called The First Purge, and then... So, and then there's The Forever Purge. Mm -hmm. The Forever Purge was a big, big disappointment because it was yes. the same creator. It was James DeMonaco who wrote the first three, uh, was back to write this one. And I was like, oh, okay, all right. You know, so it's someone who clearly cares about the series. Um, it's a cash-in. Mm -hmm. And I'm really annoyed. I'm really annoyed because they hadn't been that up to this point. Like, anyone mm -hmm. would be forgiven for thinking, it's a series called The Purge. What were you thinking? But it's really not, it's a really clever, often very heavy-handed, but still very clever series. This it, this abandons an awful lot of the subtext. Uh, one of my favourite phrases, it's from Buffy, is this the, this subtext is rapidly becoming text. This, this film yeah. is text. There's no subtext here at all. And it really frustrated me. It looks great. Uh, it's like the cinematography is actually really, really mm. good in it. Like there is... I do have plenty positive to say about it, but what I'm going to take this opportunity to say is that I'm really frustrated because of the Forever Purge, so I want to recommend everybody goes and watches Purges 1 through 4 because they are really excellent films. They are, there is gore, so gore hounds rejoice, people who don't like gore, heads up. Uh, they're not as gory as you would think. It's not, they're not Saw. Mm-hmm, no. Uh, my, they actually, for me, up until stopping at the forever purge they get better with each film so like up until the forever purge the first one was arguably the worst and it it feels totally different to i, I mean i've They're, only yeah. seen 
the original. You can't say the first purge. You can't say I've seen. I the know, first purge. right? It's so annoying. Yeah. The original purge has got Ethan Hawke in it, and yeah, it's such a different feeling. And it does, it's a home invasion movie. Yeah, it's totally different. Yeah. It's much more Home Alone than it is um, End of the World. Um, and yes, yeah, so I've seen the, I've seen this, I've seen that one, and the Forever Purge, and I was like, oh man, I don't want to watch the rest of these movies. Like this movie's so dumb. That's my fear is that people will like. I don't know, for, for whatever reason, like yourself, because you, you were reviewing it, so, like, you know, people will only have seen this one and be like, oh, yeah. well, what a stupid series this is. And it's so not. Like, 2, 3, and 4, even though 4 is a prequel, you could nearly lift and have them as their own trilogy. Yeah. Because, as you say, the first one is very, very different. It's a home invasion movie. Mm. It's quite good. But 2, 3, and prequel are very much of a theme. Yeah. And 3's ending into the forever purge I, I was texting you while i was watching this i was so frustrated so frustrated yeah. because three is a very very in my opinion a very good political film as well as being it's a purge film yeah got you. um and because they've always had state and there is statements in this film but they're just it's too well, uh, it's too far too heavy-handed and like in the past where you've had really heavy-handed statements you've had something that would back that up. Now, there's mm-hmm. still moments and scenes in each of the films which are just like... Uh, myself and uh, my very good friend, Carol Quigley, uh, whom we did a few podcast episodes on the Purge series, which is why I love them so much. We started to coin a phrase, she coined a phrase, which is like, they would get to a moment in each of the films, she'd be like, ah, would you stop the messing? <laughs> um, we get it. We get it. Yeah. A lot of the time it comes with the male gaze. These films are... Oh my goodness, they there's are There's a lot of male gaze going on in them. Uh-huh. Um, and, but I would... Uh, the Start of the Message sort of goes over all of the mm. Forever Purge. And my biggest, biggest problem with this one is it kind of enjoys some of the negative messages that it's putting across. Like, the, I'm going to spoil a little bit. The main character defines his views on... Um, do I want to say racism? Because he doesn't think that he's racist. Mm. But the way he defines it is that your people should stick with your people and my people should stick with my people because we don't understand each other. And this I'm is not from... racist, I just don't want them around me. It's a- segregation. 100%. Yeah, it is 100%. Like, we should just be separate because we're too different. Um, And because he's our hero, I don't know, that it felt really, really icky because it felt like, and it was set up like a teaching moment. And I was like, nope, I don't like what you're teaching here. And if this is the message of your movie, like you can have characters that have horrible opinions, but the way, like the even like the music that was surrounding it, all of it felt like this is a profound thing that we all need to understand. And like, it is not. We need to understand it so that we don't do it. Yeah. Yeah, it's- didn't like it. It lost. It did. It, it lost itself. Um, I was watching. Uh, at some point, we may do an episode on it because I could. I could talk for ages about this. So I'm not recommending the Forever Purge. I am recommending the first four Purge films. I think they are mm-hmm. really, really smart. There is very heavy-handed bits in them. Like if somebody turns around and says, "Oh my God, there was that stupid bit," they're not wrong. Yeah, they all. Have but there is bits. enough in them that they're. Yeah. They're great films. Interesting. Okay, cool. My only, um, yeah, my only experience of the other three is the Sins videos. So yeah. I, I had to, I binged all four Sins videos to give Oof. me enough context to write the Forever Purge Sins video. <laughs> oh dear. It'll be interesting oh, now to see goodness. if you do ever go and watch them. It'll be interesting <laughs> now to see like with the Sins in your head. Yeah. You're like, there it is, there it is, there, there, it, is, is, there, there it is, there it is. The biggest, uh, the biggest consistent theme for all of them is that why don't people get home earlier? 
Like, why are you racing home ah, minutes before ah. the purge starts? Well, we need to do an episode on that because, yes, that is very much a theme. Anyway, right, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you're not wrong, but, 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 but. But look, we, be- we better we better bring the lovely, lovely audience to talking about what the a title of the episode is about. Yeah. yeah, let's talk about a film that we absolutely love and in no way relate to Halloween Kills. I thought we were going to talk about... Anyway, yeah. yeah it's The Matrix uh, Resurrections. Oh, my oh. good golly. Wow. Uh, Ian, I'm sorry. I'm putting this one on you. What's yes. the plot of Matrix Resurrections, Ian? Oh, easy. Watch Matrix. <laughs> the plot you know is what? The Matrix. That's not even... Like, folks, that's accurate. It's the same film. They just, they just put more self-awareness in it. So it is... Um, yeah, so an older version of the Neo that we know, and that is the biggest n- fucking nitpick that I have with this film. Um, we see an older, what's his name? Anderson. Anderson something Anderson. John Anderson? Yeah, to- no, Thomas Anderson. Thomas Anderson, um, who's still working an unsatisfied job, much the way he is at the beginning of the first Matrix film, is sucked back into the real world reluctantly. Um, and is put on a mission to rescue Trinity and once again awaken as many people as he possibly can whilst the mechanical people and the AIs try to stop him. And I've made that sound ten times more interesting than it actually is. Yep. <laughs> but how is that not the plot to the first fucking film? No, but it is. I, I text you while you're watching this. Um, I text you and it was around the hour mark. And I went, we are taking a fierce amount of time to get Neo out of the Matrix. Yeah. And it just sums up how my, my one of my biggest complaints is how um, Carrie Ann Moss and um, Keanu Reeves just don't want to be there. And that is reflected so much, unfortunately, in their characters. Because... Like this is the I, most reluctant I've seen them to get into the action, and it just it feels like neither of them want to be their character or actor. I don't know if I agree with that, um, because like they've both been for years now, not just because anyone in the um, our our very good friend Albert Hogan is a great one for kind of teaches this lesson as well. Anyone during the press junket for any film, you can't trust them. No, They're literally being paid to promote the film. Yes. That's fine. But both Keanu Reeves and Carrie Ann Moss, since the third one, have been like, yeah, we come back. Yeah, we well, love the I wish we, they'd we told their the faces that. that. That's not necessarily inaccurate, in fairness. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, there is the age-old joke. Now, Keanu Reeves is the nicest man on the internet. We will not say anything ill about Keanu Reeves on this podcast for fear of being killed. But he does not have the most expressive acting range. And, but he's owned that for years. He has. And it's why John Wick works so well. Because yeah. John Wick is... It's not said on screen, but he is depressed. And he has he has so much that he's dealing with. His focus is just kill as many people. Neo is a much more um, complicated and in-depth character that I don't think Keanu's ever really done justice. Um other Probably. than maybe in the what first one, perhaps. What you're going to hear me say a lot this episode is the first film, the first film, the first film. And probably yeah. I would still say that, I mean, the first film is the best Matrix film. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. I think, all right, so here's my first sweeping statement of the episode, right? The the Matrix 1999 is the best film in its series and it fucked itself hard by being so different and so good. It completely changed mm-hmm. cinema. It did, 100%. It is a genre-defining, cinema-changing movie. And every single film that comes after it in the series 
is going to have that expectation on it. And that's not yeah. right, but it absolutely will. It's like, how do you redefine it again, but by being the same thing? You can't. Um, you just got to... But having said that, they still weren't great movies in and of themselves. Um, they weren't. No, Reloaded and Revolutions messy. are messy. They were rushed. There was things in them, but the lore completely bogged them down. Yeah. Um, and I know we had, in between those two, we had the video game Enter the Matrix, which I believe is considered canon, so yeah. we, we will consider that story, because Niobe originated in Enter the Matrix. Yes. And then, since Revolutions, The Matrix Online has been considered canon, which explains one of the characters in this film. Mm. Well, and the big thing, the Animatrix as well, that's, that's of the course, sorry. biggest yeah, of lore background um, dump that you can get. I haven't seen it, but... Um, I, I do need to, but yeah, that is apparently better than it's like the the Matrix, the Animatrix, then everything else. Yeah, and I look, I mean, I've no problem whatsoever with Lord. I mean, sure, sixty years of Star Trek is still going. Whoa, oh whoa, yeah, whoa. you know, love that. But in speaking purely from the film's point of view, they got so bogged down so quickly that the charm of the original, which was a cyber hacker, becomes the greatest fighter ever and we get bullet time and we get this new christian messiah but not really but definitely um and it was always it was incredible so like the ending of the first film i realize i haven't started talking about resurrections yet but the ending of the first film you have neo ascending into heaven cough 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 and that's fine and then you have reloaded and revolutions it's just they're somewhat heist movies, somewhat war movies, somewhat dull. Um, yeah, yeah, they are. They're yeah. alien too, but they're, they're aliens, but not done very well. Oh, okay, Grant. I was just like, you know, oh my god, I thought you were going to say aliens no, was bad. I was no, like, no. What? In in terms of the shifting theme and genre, like they rapidly become straight up action films, but not good. Like that's the way yeah. to do it. Like Alien redefined things, and then Aliens redefined it again, but using the same. They just they shifted genres, but yeah, yeah. that's massive side note. But I mean, and we've so we've been so so hungry for another Matrix film, and I think a big have part. We? Um, I have, but I think that's okay. largely because okay, Reloaded and um, oh, will these names stop being so similar? Revo- reloaded, revolutions, 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 revolutions were yeah. what I wanted. So coming back to it with twenty years to think about the story and percolate on it and sit on it, I was so hopeful that it was going to be something that we really really wanted and it's it's not it's just not it's watchable but i mean if you're going to be this bland you've got to be 90 minutes you can't be this bland and be two how long is it two hours two and, and 28 half. minutes long like far you far are... far 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 too long far um, too long and it's to a point where you're just like i was literally catching myself going you could edit there you could edit there yeah you could edit and I realize we do this week to week what we we we, what we watch and talk about films, but you shouldn't be as a viewer catching yourself going. You could have you could have finished that scene there because that means you're not engrossed in the exactly. film. Exactly. Or when an action scene turns up, you're like, oh, that makes sense. Like you you yeah. were getting bored, so you had to put some action in here. Like this yeah, doesn't feel bit. like it was needed. It's just well, we'd better do something here because we've been talking a lot. Neo in this film feels so tired. Yes. And I felt tired watching him. And I couldn't decide if it was Neo or Keanu. They both just seemed exhausted and just like, I really don't want to do this. And I may just stay in the Matrix because that might be a lot easier. That's true, actually. There is, because I think 
not an awful lot of the first film, but there is a few moments of the first film. He's like, oh, you know, do I escape or don't I? A lot of this film is mm-hmm. that. And if we look at that as a theme of how since the major... So, Jeannie Max, so in the 20 years it's been, 23 years nearly, it's been since The Matrix was released. Um, think about how the world has changed. Think about Think about what the internet was in 1999 mm-hmm. versus 2022. Yeah. You know, it's our lives are done online. We are always jacked in. We mm-hmm. are always connected. And so you have somebody says, come with me. You will be removed from all of that. I actually get the theme of not wanting to leave even more now yeah. than say I would have in, 19, in 1999. I would have been like, oh, it's only the weirdos and the hackers that yeah. live online. Oh, it's the people who look like, you know, the the Neos and the Ciphers and the yeah. Switches and the <laughs> Dozers and the how many other characters can you remember from the first one? Oh, and, no. the, you know, Thank you, thank you. I was quite happy with that. Um, but that there's a there is a different weight there is. carrying that into this film because one, it's far less attractive leaving the Matrix. Mm-hmm. Um, you know this seemingly perfect world. There is so something that caught on me as I was watching this. It it is in the original, so it wasn't invented for this. But it's you know the way the agents move through people. Yes, right. Yeah. So, you know, um, and in this film, have they? This is a genuine question now. Have they abandoned all sense of trying to keep the Matrix a secret? From who? Because in the first film, the Matrix was whispers and rumors, right? And then mm-hmm. we start to realize, oh, the whole thing is fake. But in this film, sure, armies of I, I realize there's different characters, but like may, uh, agents are jumping into people and jumping out of windows, and you know, and then it's a really inconsistent. Can the people see what's going on around them? Um, I think they can, but it's just they rationalize it. So I think they are so in the matrix that they just assume that everything is part of their world so i think because so as soon as if their body is taken over they just have a memory loss as soon as the the agent leaves them they're like well what am i doing here and they don't immediately think oh i must be in the matrix they just think oh i passed out or something like that um and i think they kind of forget it's like that um in doctor who the perception filter I think that they see it, but it's yeah. just outside of their vision. Like, they don't really pay attention to it. Um, or, <laughs> that's an excellent, excellent comparison, because, you know, it's like when, say, you fancy someone, and they don't even know you're there, which is basically how you reacted when I told you that Martha Jones was in this film. Yeah, I still can't believe that she was in this film. Yeah. Like, is she? <laughs> yeah. She's one of the game developers. Immediately <sighs> after, and this was me, I didn't realise that the, the boss of that meeting was Christina Ricci. Yes, no, I so that I did notice because I was like, oh shit, she's going to come back later. Because you cast Christina Ricci and you're like, oh, she's important. Nope. Nope. But apparently nope. Christina Ricci just wanted to be in a Matrix film and they let her do it. And that was it because the, the Wachowskis, obviously this is only Lana Wachowski directing this film, but the Wachowskis have worked with, God, so much of Hollywood. Yeah. And a lot of them are in this film. There is, uh, it's a rumour, I haven't found a confirmation or a screen grab, but a rumour is that Tom Hardy has an uncredited cameo in the film because Venom Let There Be Carnage was filming on the same lot. <laughs> he just turned um, up one day. And basically they're just like, do you want to be in it? That's awesome. So, no, but I haven't found a screenshot or anything, no. so I had to confirm that, but it's on That's the so various cool. socials. Um, um, just to roll back for two seconds, back to um, how the movie's changed and la- how the world has changed in the last 20 years, I, that works against the film as well because it hasn't caught up. It somehow feels dated immediately. Like it's the it's the your grandfather trying to catch up with an iPhone or whatever because they like they point out oh yeah we don't even need telephone boxes anymore to move around I was like 
okay, yeah, I, I get that you're acknowledging that you've you've moved on, but the most that it moves on is just it acknowledges Warner Brothers, which is very very weird, and it's we'll, we'll come. You're uh-huh. right. We'll come back to that one. Yeah, and it's the the conceit is that Neo create the sorry Anderson created a video game based on the first film as his way of processing what happened to him and then as a part of this video game he created a little playground sandbox which worked as a portal for the real people in the real world to jump back into the matrix and rescue him and the reason that he's back is because the robots rebuilt his human body along with trinity because the matrix can't function unless they're both in it that's probably my biggest problem with the film yes is that i i do like now there there is a very deliberate uh scene well at the i presume we're, we're talking spoilers so at the end where neo is no longer the one they are very much uh a I suppose yeah. they're, they're a couple, but not Trinity they're a couple. They're a pairing. The they're a team. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And you know, in the scene that's in the trailer, well done, trailer. They jump off the building, but Neo can't fly anymore, but Trinity can. Yeah. And okay, I mean, look, sorry, that's not my problem. No, 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 that's, that's not my fine. problem at all. I mean, my problem was okay. If you need the ma- and it's it's said by the analyst that this matrix. So the old Matrix was done, was dead and gone by the end of Revolutions, yeah. right? So, and they built a new Matrix. So this new Matrix was built with the minds of Neo mm-hmm. and Trinity. Okay. And I think, I can't remember who it was. It potentially is Neo himself who hangs up lampshade on. So you hid me by making me a designer of the Matrix. Yeah. And like the analyst goes, I know, brilliant, isn't it? But like, no, no. no. Acknowledging the fact that it's dumb does not, not make it Excuse you from it being dumb. And the way they yeah. excuse it is that well, you look different. You don't look like Anderson. You look like a yeah, like a different person entirely. I was like, ah, he's still got the same fucking name. <laughs> you changed his appearance, but not his name. Like, why does he, he need the and same name? And he deals name? with the Matrix every it's day. So it is. It's. Dumb. It's. It's. Too, it seems themselves. to be some. Some of these things are just like we'll fix it in post. Yeah, we'll fix it in post. You can't and whether that was, I mean, like. Any any film has so much thought and so much care put into it that I, I, I respect it mustn't have been that. But when it feels like that, yeah. that's a problem with the film. No, this film feels really high off its own substance. It feels so stuck up and it's so aware of how important it, it is trying to be and what it's trying to say. But it doesn't say anything new at all. It's, it doesn't. It shifts more into virtual reality and um, and video games. But that's not what we're doing. That's not... This isn't the same revolutionary idea that it was in two thousand in nineteen ninety nine. Um, it's yeah. A po- so so a positive thing that something I I do like that the film did was that outside the matrix, humans and some AI have started working together. Yeah, that's kind and of. And I cool. like that because it shows. Look, something has happened. Something has come of it because, and that's also how we get Morpheus back. Mm-hmm. Right. So in the Matrix Online, to quote Muppet Christmas Carol. Uh, Morpheus was dead to begin with. So Morpheus, Lawrence Fishburne's Morpheus has was shot and killed yeah. in The Matrix Online. That is considered canon. So going into this film, whoops, he's dead. So, excuse me. So in this modal that you said, uh, in this modal, you have Bugs, Jessica Henwick's character, mm-hmm. effectively rescues Morpheus, 
who has been repurposed into an agent. Now, he looks different because he's been recast, obviously, in the world world. So now it's yeah. Yahya Abdul-Mateen II, who is wasted. as opposed to wasted. Lawrence Fishburne. I don't get the point. No. That, so that's that's the thing. So yeah, so to bring Morpheus back, totally, I understand. Why, why would you want to bring Morpheus back, the character Grant? But I was reading before this, I, I was reading an interview with Lawrence Fishburne, and this is a while back now, so there's been plenty of time to address this. He just wasn't invited. So strange. Simple as. They never approached him. It's so strange. Um, and it's not that I would want to get rid of Mateen. Like, I, we've spoken recently about how much I really like him recently. I can't demand my favourite uh, horror movie of 2021. Uh, haven't seen it yet. I believe Watchmen is fantastic, uh, the miniseries. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and so I don't begrudge him being in the film. I just don't get why bring the character back, not approach the original actor at all. Now, let's say Grant... Oh, Give somebody enough time to get into shape. Like, you know, yes, okay, Lawrence Fishburne doesn't look today as he looked in 1999. Who does? Yeah, and maybe that was part of it. Um, Like, they explain it away with um, Neo and Trinity because they they acknowledge that 30 years has passed, or uh, not 30, 20 years. Well, 50 years has passed, but in The Matrix, it's less time, whatever. Mm. Um, But I just don't include Morpheus. Like, he's not... This isn't his story, and I think that maybe they were worried that if they brought back Lawrence Fishburne, that it would look too much like it's his story. Um, like this isn't the real, in quotation marks, Morpheus. This is a imitation that Keanu, that that Neo has made to reconcile some stuff that he's dealing with in his head, based on what he went through in the first three films. But it kind of leads into my biggest overall flaw with the film is the the basis that this is the same Neo. So this is the same Neo that we know from the first three films. And even in in Revolutions, they say that this isn't the first time this has happened. You aren't the first one to break out of the Matrix and to fuck us up. This is like the seventh, eighth or ninth time that this has happened. So I assumed that this was going to be a completely different Matrix, a different uh, big reboot, and the same thing is happening but it's taken longer. So instead of it happening when Neo was in his 20s, it's happening when he's in his 50s instead. And I, I'm yeah. fine with that. Like, that's it, that, that shows that the Matrix is evolving. But the problem is the machine people have done this to themselves. They've deliberately built this Matrix with the same two people that fucked the, first, the, the old one and thought that it was going to be fine. It's so frustrating. It is. And it is, it's, it is a plot. It's a plot with... It's not just holes; it's glaring yeah. plot holes. Why um, would they and say that, I that do is a problem this? because um, so this, this the script was written by sorry I want to get the third name now because it was written by Lana Wachowski and David Mitchell who wrote Cloud Atlas. I and, love Cloud Atlas. Sorry, I really no, I really enjoy Cloud Atlas. Like written by Alexander Hammond. Thank you. All right, so yes, Alexander Hammond. Uh, I've just seen the IMDb rating for Matrix Resurrections, and I have to say, I agree with it. I think it's too high. 5.7. It's too high. Um, and so the script, it's just, there was, there seems to have been, as often is the way, like, this is not the only film guilty of this by any means. It's, we need to include the following, right? So what frustrated me watching this film initially was, I was like, why, why am I watching the opening scene of the Matrix, they, do. they just with a different the cast. Film. It's so funny. They really, and because that, that's it. So they started, and then you start to realize, oh, this is from all oh, right, and this from Bug's point of view. Yeah. Okay, this is why that's not Carrie Ann Moss playing Trinity. Yeah. This is why 
uh, we at this point we think, oh, Agent Smith is now being played by Abdul Mateen II. That's what in the initial yeah. moments. Then it, it so this film is meta to a way that man, I have not seen meta in a long oh, time. Deadpool nearly pops up and says, "Man, this is a Matrix film." That would have been that would have been the only thing they didn't uh-huh. do, yeah. because like you said, there was there's moments of actually playing the first film, yeah, and it feels like it doesn't feel like we're going to break down the walls between story and reality, and we're going to break down the walls between time. It feels like oh, that's that scene. Uh, it's yeah, and it's just to kind of replay the hits, and they even they have video footage that isn't a recreation. Yeah. This is actually shit that happened in conversations that happened with Morpheus and you're like you like refilm it or do something and it's it's so meta because Neo's in a meeting with his boss and he says yeah Warner Brothers are demanding that we do another Matrix game I was like just because you switched out game with film doesn't mean I didn't notice what you just did there and they want us to know that they want us to notice that so it's even common it's a commentary on itself about yeah we need a reboot or we need a full film because everyone loves it so much but that's not what the film's about. Like, Scream 4, I can almost forgive it because that's what the franchise is about. It's self-awareness and whatnot. Yep. That's not what The Matrix is about. So saying that Warner Brothers is demanding a film doesn't excuse you for making a cash grab film. And I don't think this is a cash grab. I just think it's unimaginative. That's it. I, com- I completely agree. This, While there are parts of it that certainly do feel like it, I, I believe 100% that a lot of love went into making this film. I believe that the people who came back did so because they like The Matrix, that they wanted to be in it, that they wanted to work with the team again. Now, all the new people that are in it are like, oh my God, I'm in a Matrix film, and it shows. <laughs> and, and you know, and actually, because there's, there's, one, there's one funny character played by Brian J. Smith. So I've, I've said a couple of times, I was texting you going, like half the cast of Sense8 is in mm. this. Uh, which I thought was, it's, it's nice in a way because it's lovely, a bit like Christopher Nolan reuses actors yeah. in, in each of the films. Well, Lana Wachowski has obviously chosen to do this for uh, The Matrix. We have Brian J. Smith. I, I'm actually, I'm going to stop there before I end up butchering names. So a lot of sensei <laughs> are in this. Although I must shout out to Max Reimald, who I just think is wonderful. He is uh, Shepard. Mm-hmm. Um, he uh, arrives in The Matrix, Matrix bleach blonde with that beard. And I was just like, yes, that absolutely <laughs> works on you. Oh, I like this. But sorry, rolling back. Brian J. Smith is the character who is, he is a neologist. Yes. In the real world. And what that means is that he's a Matrix fanboy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, and it's fine. It's grand. But like you said, it shows. <sighs> Positives. I really like Neil Patrick Harris and um, uh, Jonathan Groff. Groff. Oh, Ian. I love them. Ian. I don't. I'm sorry. Still don't like what they're doing in this film, but I love watching them. I like them really, both as people. Yeah. If that helps, um, I'll get to Jonathan Groff in a second. I thoroughly did not enjoy Neil Patrick Harris in this film, and I really like Neil Patrick Harris. He's not intimidating, right? is he? And he's meant to be. But he just played Neil Patrick Harris. Yeah. Um, and I don't, I don't get why they did that because so the analyst is basically he's basically the new architect. Yeah. Yeah, he took over from the architect. Yeah, and he is... They sort of play him as this omnipotent... He can't be hurt until the end, but he can't be hurt, you know, so he's just so above it all. You know, he, he'll he make a bargain with Neo because he's bored, as opposed to there's any stakes involved. Yes. 
and yet he's also a petulant child. Yeah, absolutely. He just he's got his Rubik's cube and he wants it solved, and it has to be done in a certain way, and it has to have um, Neo. It has to have Trinity in this certain way, or else it doesn't work. And yeah, he wants everybody yeah. to play along. And they- the problem is they turn him into a literal punching bag, um, almost deliberately for laughs. So I don't know. Like Jonathan Groff Smith ends up being on their team in a certain ish kind of way. So who yeah. who's the big bad here, other than the generic T one thousands? I would I I think yeah, to it's supposed to be Neil Patrick Harris and it doesn't work for me, I'm afraid. Um Jonathan Groff, right, so while I really like his performance, yeah. the the problem is not his fault in any way, right? So Hugo Weaving obviously was Agent Smith in the original yes. trilogy. And he was, originally, they were in talks, Weaving and Wachowski were like, yeah, great, because he has been very, very positive about the Matrix trilogy Mr. the whole time. Mr. Anderson! So, and he's, he's an iconic so cinema character, yes. like, he's fantastic. Um, now, so initially, yep, it's all happening, they got to the stage of negotiations and everything, and there was clashing dates, as there always mm. is, uh, but you know yourself, when, when you want something bad enough, We'll work out dates here. Yeah, okay? whenever I'm asked then, to be in a Matrix film, I just make it work. Yeah, exactly, because you're a neologist. Um, <laughs> now, quoting Hugo Weaving here, everything was going well until Lana suddenly decided she didn't want to change her dates. Hmm, which means she had a uh, change of heart, perhaps. And to which he said, well, look, I, I wish them well. Yeah. And this is so, uh, the, unfortunately, this is an, an article from a couple of years ago now, so that means that... No, if I'd actually checked, no, there was never. I was, I was quietly hoping, maybe, just maybe, <sighs> but apparently there was absolutely zero chance that he was going to be in this film after yeah. after that because that was both, and that's what, it annoys me on their behalf. They're they're big boys; they can handle themselves. But both Lawrence Fishburne and Hugo Weaving, who were as important to the Matrix trilogy as Keanu Reeves uh-huh. and Carrie Anne Moss, were basically told you're not needed. Yeah, I don't think Neo is the thing we enjoy the most about those films. I think it's Morpheus and Smith. I honestly do. I think certainly the Morpheus-Neo relationship. Yeah. You know? Uh, Trinity, yeah, like, I mean, if they didn't bring Carrie Ann Moss back, arguably there wouldn't have been, never mind the actual storyline, but arguably what would have been the point of another Matrix film? I don't know, because... I'm not saying they did it well, but... I mean, yeah, and it may may well be the fact that this is done so poorly, that's why I'm thinking, wow, we didn't need her, actually, because this sucks. Like... I, oh man, I don't know. Take it in a different direction. This is the the second biggest thing that annoys me is the mission of the film itself, which is it takes 90 hours to get uh, Neo out of the Matrix. And they're like, right, the, the mission here is that you're going to lead the people to a brave new world and that we've got some machines on our side. So they're going to help us and we're going to, this new world, what was it, Eden? Was it Eden? Oh, uh, I... I think it's Ido. Yeah, it's something, something like, like Ido. Uh, whatever replaced the other place that they had. Zion. Zion whatever, yeah, Zion. The new the Zion, one, yeah. yeah. Um, and that's what he's there for. He immediately derails it and says, well, I'm not going to do it without my girlfriend. And then everyone's okay with that. He gets locked up, but everyone's okay that he gets broken out and they just let it happen. Um, and they risk everything so that Neo can get Trinity out. And that's the film. And it's like okay, you've just really, really simplified a movie that you're, I feel like, wanting to say something more. But you don't get there. This is just Neo wants Trinity again. Yeah, that's the, yes, yes. Um, and again, not that I have an issue with that at all, but 
two hours and 28 oh minutes and she's trinity for five of them yeah like say something and it's not as satisfying as yeah. you think it is like she has this big moment it's... at the end where what's her new name to um to tiffany tiffany oh my. so she's like i hate that name and that's her waking up moment and oh it's so unearned it doesn't feel great it's uh, and th- there's Indeed. another and, big moment yeah. that I think was played for laughs when they're like, well, Neo, can you fly us out of here? And he's like, he tries to fly, and yep, yeah. that's not going to happen. Can't do that anymore. And there's this pause where it's basically like, wait for laughter. Wait for the canned laughter. And it, yeah. nothing, nothing happens, and meant to be a big reveal it's also that incredibly- Trinity is the one that can fly. Cool. Yeah, and, and that's when we get our moment of, oh, okay, grand, let's do them. And then thematically, cool, yep, on board. Uh, but yeah, the way it was, the way it was handled. Um, going all the way, going all the way back to you know the end of Matrix Revolutions, right? So Trinity is dead, uh, Neo is dead and blinded, and that's it. They're they're done. Yep. Um, Neil Patrick Harris. It, this is I I didn't get this part of the film. Neil Patrick Harris. Something to do with quotas and productions and budgets is given the go ahead by the machines who apparently care about quotas and productions and budgets to rebuild physically rebuild neo and trinity so that they can rebuild the matrix and they literally say like how expensive it is to do that it's like, do you know how expensive it was to rebuild you the fuck do machines care about money exactly yeah like who, who are they charging um and uh there was there was like a one line allusion to uh like a machine civil war almost there is a resource an uprising yeah yeah, and it's a bit like, right, this is okay. If again, give us that story, you know. Yeah. Um. And so, right, but when it came to, so according to both, uh, both of the Wachowskis, um, Warner Brothers, and you know, as he said, the the meta moment, Warner Brothers had been at them every single year because the Matrix massive cash cow yeah. to be like, let's let's do another Matrix film to the point where Zach Penn was hired to write two Matrix films without the involvement of the Wachowskis. Wow. And, I mean, I think he went ahead and did that and got paid. And then Warner Brothers was like, yeah, nah. As often this happens mm-hmm. all the time in Hollywood. Uh, the amount of money that's spent on things not that doing don't nothing. Happen. Sorry, we're, we're both writers. I won't say yeah. doing nothing. On things Apologies, that never Zach get seen. Yeah. On things that never get seen. Yes. Man yes. will have still been paid um, in some description. Yeah. So there's a bunch of false starts, a bunch of rumors and this and that. And eventually, uh, tragedy struck that the Wachowskis, they lost their parents very close to each other. Mm. Um, Lana said that first her dad got sick, then while she was basically dealing with his palliative care, a friend of hers died. Uh. And then quite quickly after that, her mum died. And it was horrific. Uh, as bad as, you know, yeah, awful. So for Lana, this was, The Matrix Resurrections was an idea that came to her where she said that I couldn't have my mother and my father, but I could have Neo and Trinity, who were for her the two most important characters in Well, that makes me feel like a dick for shitting on it now. Well, I mean, yes, well, I'm right there with you, don't worry. Your Um, catharsis isn't my enjoyment, which is a horrible thing to say, but it's kind of true. There there is truth to that, because what a what you know what a wonderful amazing way yeah, to express fantastic. grief and deal with with moving on and passing on and, and it makes a lot more sense when you see that neo and trinity have gone from being two semi fighters to the two most important characters in all of creation yeah uh, and you can kind of see that now okay right i can see why the uh, why the import has been placed on them now on the other hand there's lily wachowski who very early on 
after Resurrections, I think, was confirmed, said, absolutely not. No interest, Mm -hmm. not doing it. Because for them, they didn't want to go back over trodden ground, particularly after their transition. Mm -hmm. They said that, no, The Matrix was something that was pre this era of their life. And they didn't want to go back over themselves. And so even though, you know, they went through the exact same loss as Lana, Mm -hmm. they were like, no, that's, that's not how I choose to deal. So... Uh, they were surprisingly pleasantly blunt. Yeah. It's like, no, no, I'm not doing it. I'm not interested. I'm not going back. And so there's obviously, and I think there is a problem that the Wachowskis made The Matrix, Lana Wachowski directed Resurrections. And I think they're, they're it's not that it's terrible, but it shows that there is a quality change. Yeah. Uh, for sure. It's the why. It's just well, what story are you trying to tell? And I I just, it's like uh, the IMDb synopsis. They return to a world of two realities, one everyday life, the other what lies behind it. To find out if his reality is a construct to truly know himself, Mr. Anderson will have to choose to follow the white rabbit. You've just described the first Matrix. You could copy and paste that and put it into the first one. It's, yeah, it's so, everything about it for me is disappointing. Even the fight scenes are fine. No, the fight scenes are okay, like, but you've seen it all before. It's nothing new. In the Matrix films, that's the yeah. problem. It's always living in the shadow. Mm-hmm. And I think because, I mean, let's, to be fair, they were, they were you were never going to go into the Matrix Resurrections and not have the Matrix in of your house, right? So you have a choice. Do we deal with that head on or do we try and take a hard left turn? And they dealt with it head on. I don't think... No, don't think showing us clips from the original oh, film so was dumb. the right way no, to go. It was not. Like there, there's scenes where you look at Jonathan Groff, he'll smile, and they will intersplice a scene of Hugo Weaving. Yeah, it's kind of like, eh, like, look what we're doing. Eh, eh, okay. Eh. Same with Mateen and Fishburne, yeah. and some fairly, I'm sorry, some fairly dodge makeup work on Jada Pinkett Smith. Yeah, little as bit. Niobe. Little bit. Because um, the the cinematographer for this is the same cinematographer who did uh, Sense Eight and Cloud Atlas. Now that's not me saying, oh, it looks dirty. it doesn't. It looks incredibly high definition, and yeah. like you can see everyone's lines upon lines. But that wasn't the Matrix. Mm. And I get it, nineteen ninety nine. I get it. I get it. I get it. But there is a rough tint to the Matrix mm. that the entire film it looks very different from this film. Actually does. And, like yeah. you have that green tinge yeah. whenever you're in the Matrix in the original. Um and that does not carry over into this film right. and visually it it stands out for the wrong reasons. Yeah. No, I totally agree. It yeah, it doesn't feel like we're in the same world. Which we're not because it's different, blah blah blah. But yeah, it's ew. I just I wish we hadn't had it, to be honest. Um my my one like kind of one line review was the best part of this movie is the trailer. Um, the trailer's fantastic. I love it. it that is. is such an enjoyable trailer. It is a million times more enjoyable than what you actually get on screen. Definitely. I'm sure one of our various avenues, there'll be a list of 10 trailers better than the movie, and this oh, trailer's really going to, to do be that on that episode. list. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah, I honestly don't have much more to say about it. It's it's so bland. It's disappointing. It's watchable. It's 100% a movie to watch, and I wonder if... We would definitely look at it differently if we didn't have three films behind it. Like, if this was the first in the series, we'd probably be like, wow, this is amazing. But it's just retreading old ground. It is. There's also, sorry, I I nearly forgot to mention him because I didn't care. But um, 
I hope I'm pronouncing this right, Lumbert Wilson returns as the Merovingian. Yes, who is I from forgot. I think Relo- Reloaded. Yeah, Reloaded and Revolution. I didn't even and- realize it was the same character. I totally missed it until I read the IMDb. I was like, oh, that's who that was. Yeah, didn't particularly light my light on. No, life on fire. So dumb. Um, and also the scene in which he appears is pretty poor. Yeah. I think, unfortunately, I'm calling this one a big swing and a miss. Yeah, no, it's a massive miss. It really is. Um, yeah, totally is. Oh, I'm tired even thinking about it, Sean. Right, okay, let's go and we'll go and find out if we still know Kung Fu. And um, I still know Kung Fu. So <laughs> I'm, going to, I'm going to introduce a new thing on this podcast right now with no uh, consult- consultation with you straight away. Out of ten, what are you giving it? Three. Three, okay, I... I'll and give it. I'll give it a. I'll give it a five, but only because I had zero expectations <laughs> going in. I yeah, my expectations were high. I had so much confidence, and I was punished for that confidence. Um, but yeah, it happens. Next week, Ian, what are we taking on next I week? I can guarantee next week will be a really happy, positive episode because we're going to do tick tick boom. Now I'm really excited. I've actually I've I've seen about half an hour of it. I was unable to finish it that night, so I'm looking forward to going back to the start and just watching it through mm-hmm. again. So, and I would re- it's on Netflix. Watch it. Just watch it. Watch it. Watch it. Yes, it's a musical. Yes, it's about somebody you may not have heard of, but Andrew Garfield is amazing in it. And it's if ignore that it's a real life story. Whatever. It's a story about a creative person and his friends struggling in new york to be creative and to make and to pay the rent hey um it's phenomenal it's getting oscar buzziness um it's great it's amazing i love it let's watch it together excellent but well i can't wait i'm looking forward to it so let us wash away the stain of this green not green enough film go listen to you're on crack mate season two thank you ian now Yes, yes, it is. All right. Well, thank you very much. Uh, you are a star. Yes, it is. It is available on Spotify. Please subscribe at your on crack mace on or at your on crack pod. Be handy if I reckon, remember the uh, thing. Oh, I was ready for this. Oh, my God. I'm my own worst enemy. Yes. Go listen to my pod. I'll link it to you as all. I love yeah. you all. Goodbye. Bye. Thank you, everyone, for listening to our latest episode of the podcast if you want to stay in touch and stay up to date with us you can catch us over on twitter at english irish gtm ian if people want to reach out to you and find out who slash where slash what you are where do they find you if you want to touch me it's at witsin that's w-h-i-t-t-s-i-n-n-e-d I was fortunate enough to touch this man during the year. Gross. Speaking of plugs, uh, you can catch me at Sean Ferrick on Twitter as well. Uh, you're all awesome. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye.